Welcome to the Practice Purchased Podcast, where you'll learn everything you need to know to buy the perfect dental practice, all for free, and all in less than 20 minutes an episode. Learn more about your host, author, presenter, and coach to hundreds of successful dental practice buyers by visiting brianhanks.com. Welcome to the Practice Purchase Podcast, Season 1, Episode 2, What to Do About Student Loans Right Now. I thought I would just dive right into the controversial section of buying a practice and uh, right in the second episode and talk directly about student loans because, frankly, it's the number one question I get when I'm out and about talking to dental uh, students and uh, study clubs. It, it is the topic. Uh, it's a big one. It is not going away. The average student uh, loan debt that uh, the last number that I saw was $307,000 for the average sentence, which is that's a big number. And, um, you know, a lot of folks blame the student loan numbers on the rise in DSOs and um, the decline of private practice ownership. And uh, to be frank, from my perspective as a formal, former dental financial planner, helping folks dig out from underneath that mountain of student loan debt, it's a totally understandable point of view. I can see um, you know, why people have such strong emotions around the topic. And they frankly feel overwhelmed when uh, we start talking about practice ownership because it seems like such a, a difficult uh, and unattainable uh, thing when you have such a large student loan balance to, th to say then, I'm going to go add to that debt by uh, layering on a practice purchase. You know, the, the mindset tends to be, well, let me work for a while. I'm going to have some guaranteed income uh, because I want that peace of mind. And I want the guaranteed um, patient base. I want someone else to take the risk to get those patients in the seat uh, so that I can have the peace of mind to have some money to get life started, get into maybe a house, definitely get into a city, get into a career that I'm still learning my way through. And, um, and I don't see any obvious risk. What's the harm if I put off buying a practice for a few, two, three, five here, you know, before you know it, it's seven years down the road and you still haven't purchased that practice that you know you want to buy and you know that that's on your mind. It's, it's a goal that you have and you just still haven't done it yet. And so for most folks, what I tell them is, first of all, I get it. I understand it. I empathize with it. And for most, it is the wrong way to think about it. Uh, what to do about your student loans right now, if you're listening to this podcast, is to know that uh, probably the quickest way out from underneath that student loan debt is to buy a practice. Okay, so if you have worked for a year or two, you've got some cash saved up, you've got the production history, you have some of the confidence and the clinical skills you need to buy a practice, um, don't think job, think ownership. Think ownership of an asset that's going to put money in your pocket and, um, and reduce risk. Now, when I say reduce risk, I want to be very clear about what I mean. When dentists tell me that having a job and having that associateship is, you know, it doesn't have obvious risks other than just waiting a little bit to buy the practice. Um, I come right back with the argument that you need to think about what ec economists call the opportunity cost, the cost of the next best choice or the cost of the choice that you're not making. Okay, so if you're waiting to buy a practice, there is a cost to that. And the cost comes in the form of two, two forms, lost income now, today, and time. And the time is the big one. Time is, is um, 
what fuels compound interest. And the compounding interest from the increase in income that theoretically, admittedly, you're going to have as a practice owner um, is going to multiply many, many times over uh, as you get towards the twilight of your career and allow you to retire earlier, um, you know, feel secure faster, achieve some of your other financial goals sooner. And so practice, buying the practice now is, um, is counterintuitively the least risky way to pay off um, your student loans. So the fastest way to pay off your student loans is to make more money. Can we all say that together? Make more money. Um, if, and the fastest way to make more money in dentistry is to buy a practice. Okay? Don't agree? Feel like you know, it's riskier because you're going to layer on those wrongs? Uh, that, that if you're laying, layering on the loans, you're going to have an increase uh, liabilities uh, section on your balance sheet. You're going to you're going to be um, up really up against the wall with debts and it's going to feel more stressful. Well, are you one of the people that thinks also that um, private practice ownership is going away because student loan balances have made private practice more risky? Well, I'm here to tell you that that opinion is wrong. It's absolutely flat out wrong. Practice ownership, private practice ownership is just, it, it's, no, no more risky today than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 25 years ago. Think I'm wrong? You want some proof? I'll give it to you. If student loans were changing the risk profile for practice buyers, there would be fewer banks lending to buyers. And they would have tighter lenders, lending standards for the buyers who do want to buy practice purchases. Right? Because banks... They don't deal in feelings. They deal in whole, cold, hard math, and they run the numbers, and they know how risky it is to be an owner of a dental practice. And so instead of seeing fewer banks lending to dentists and lending standards tightening, what you're seeing in the marketplace is you're seeing more banks lending to dentists, and you're actually seeing a loosening of the credit standards. In the past, and it's actually in the last 12 months, um, Prior to six to 12 months ago, the maximum that banks would lend to a dentist to buy a dental practice was about 85% of last year's collections. Today, banks are lending up to 100% of last year's collections and still giving the full purchase price of that practice loan plus working capital with no more collateral than the underlying practice and the diploma on the wall. So yes, I get it. I understand why if you're a dentist and you've got your $307,000 in student loans that it would feel riskier to buy a practice. The truth is the riskiest thing to do is to not have control of your income, not have control of your career, and have less money to pay off those student loans sooner. And the quickest way out from that risk is to buy a practice. So let me give you an example. Let's run through a few numbers, and then I'm going to tell you exactly what I think you should do with your student loans today. Okay, and in my example, we're going to take two dentists. I'm going to call them Dentist A and Dentist B. Dentist A is an employee, and Dentist B is an owner. Okay, and both dentists produce, I'll call it an adjusted production number of $800,000 every year. Okay, employee A, or excuse me, Dentist A, the employee, is uh, you can take home 25% of that adjusted production number for a take-home pay 
of 200,000, right? 25% or a quarter of 800 is $200,000 in take-home pay. Not a bad take-home salary. And that's, uh, it, that's before taxes, it's before student loan payments, but you know, of your family members and your friends, you're probably the one paying for dinner when you guys go out. So uh, it's nothing to be ashamed of and there's nothing wrong with making $200,000 a year. But here's the opportunity cost that I'm talking about. Dentist B, the owner dentist, producing the same $800,000 a year, but instead owns a practice where hygiene makes up 25%, or in this case, 20% of total production, $200,000 even, okay? So dentist production, 800, hygiene, 200, total gross collections, adjusted production of a million dollars even, all right? That means if, so the, the dentist gets to keep the profit from that million dollars. Now for basic math, I'm going to use uh, close to the average uh, overhead and the expenses, the overhead or expenses of the practice would be about 60%. The actual numbers of 61.7 is the last average I've seen, but for easy math, let's call it 60% or $600,000 of the million, meaning dentist B keeps 400 of the million that the practice produces, right? They're keeping the hygiene and they're keeping their own production minus expenses. But you say that dentist has to pay on the debt to buy that practice. And you're right, they do. So if you assume a purchase price of 700,000, on a 10-year fixed rate loan of 5.5%, the annual payment on that loan is $91,162, okay? So the dentist doesn't get to keep 400 if they're paying on the loan in those first 10 years. They're taking home 308838 So dentist A, the employee dentist, keeping 200 Dentist B is keeping 308838 after the loan payment. And... The kicker comes 10 years down the road when dentist P B has paid off that practice note. Now they're keeping the full 400 and, and they've got an asset that they can sell now in the future. Not to mention all the qualitative differences between dentist A and dentist B. Dentist A in theory has uh, less day-to-day -day stress dealing with employee issues and who's going to show up in the patient, you know, uh, which patients are going to show up or not. Uh, but in reality, patient, uh, Dr. B, yeah, probably has a little more uh, stress in terms of being an owner, uh, but that's what the compensation is for. That's why Dr. B is making more money. So as an employee, you know, there is a limit to the number of hours you can work. You want to make more money, you've got to work more hours. When you're an owner, when you're an employer, there's no limit to the number of hygienists and associates that can be working for you and helping to get rid of that student loan debt. Would you have, have a gigantic practice with seven hygienists and three associates right when you bought a practice? Probably not. And that's probably not a realistic scenario, but um, it is um, absolutely and unequivocally, as I've worked with dentists and seen the real tax returns, seen the real financial plans, the dentists who get out from underneath their student loan debt fastest own practices because they make more money. Okay. I'm going to give you some tips on exactly what to do with your student loans. But before I do, the assumption that I'm making in this example is that this dentist has found a good practice to buy. And to be frank, the hardest part of the practice purchase process is finding a good practice that, that a seller wants to sell to you. And so in order to help with that process, I created a, a video. It's about 10 minutes long where I cover my two favorite tips. 
I talk about brokers. I talk about tools and strategies and tips to reaching directly out to other dentists, what to say, how to follow up. And, um, and I, I created that video. It's available for free. Just text the word find, F-I-N-D, text the word find to 33777. Uh, so yes, yeah, so just open up your uh, phone, text the word find 33777, and I will shoot you that video uh, free of charge. So if you're a dentist and you are thinking that this might be the path you want to go down, let me tell you what I think you should do with your student loans. If you've got that student, high student loan balance and you're a student, a recent grad, a resident or something like that, the temptation is to take every dollar you make that's extra and just chip away at those student loans and throw, throw those dollars at the student loans and get that number down fast. You start to see the interest piling up and, ugh, you know, it just feels, <laughs> it feels painful. And I get it. I've, I did grad school. I saw those student loan balances as well. Um, I'm here to tell you that your goal, if you want to buy a practice, should be with your student loans to keep your payments low. I'm going to repeat it. What I think you should do with your student loans it, right now, if you're thinking about buying a practice, is to keep your payments low on your student loans. Cash flow is king when you're applying for a dental practice loan. Uh, what they do at, at, a, at the bank is they take a snapshot today of whatever your student loan deal is. So if you're on IBR, income-based repayment, and your student loan payments are 400 bucks a month now, but they're going to be $4,000 next year, the bank is only taking the $400 a month now into their calculations. They're not dumb. They know that you're going to be paying more in the future. Uh, but the way that their formulas work is that they take the snapshot today. So keep your cash flow high, keep your payments low, and whether or not that's um, uh, consolidating or um, you know IBR for some, I'm going to stay away from the specific student loan rules. I'm familiar with them. I've done the CFP courses to know and understand how college aid and student loans and all that stuff work. I know enough to know that it gets complicated and every year's rules are a little bit different. And so the general principle to keep in mind is to keep your payments low and save up some cash now. So your, your, my second tip is get to $50,000 in cash as soon as possible, okay? So rather than saving up $50,000 and then throwing it at your student loans and knocking that student loan balance down by 50K, I want you to save that 50K in a high yield savings account, a money market account, somewhere where you're not going to lose a ton of purchasing power to inflation, but keep that cash liquid, keep it available for your practice purchase. And then yes, after you buy your practice and you want to take that $50,000 and throw it at your student loans, be it, by all means. Um, I have had several clients who have come to me, they've said, Brian, you know, I want to hire you. I've, I've found this perfect practice. It's great. It's amazing. And uh, we go through the process and I ask them about their five things that they need to buy a practice. Tell me about your production history. Tell me about your credit score. Tell me about your credit history. And then I get to the cash question. And they say, ooh, you know, I've got $8,000 in cash, but man, I have really paid down my student loans. It used to be 400. Now it's 220. And, you know, I want to virtually reach through the phone and give them a high five because they have done so well at paying down their student loans and they're going to run into a huge problem with the bank when they're getting ready to buy the practice. If they have no cash, it reduces the potential purchase practice size and the, the size of practice they're able to buy. 
Um, so yes, there's a trade-off and it pains me as a financial planner who understands the math and understands the emotions behind the student loans. Um, yeah, you're going to pay more interest in student loans if you use this strategy. Yeah, there's going to be a psychological detriment a little bit to having that higher student loan balance for a little bit longer. Uh, but if you want that bigger practice, you want the right practice for you, the one that's going to have the cash flow available for you to pay down those student loans faster, um, just follow these two principles. Keep your student loan payments as low as you can until you buy your practice. Wait to refinance. Wait to go to SoFi and get your 4% loans, and but then have the high payments. Wait on all that stuff. Keep your cash flow high. Keep your payments low. And save that $50,000 in cash first. Um, you won't be sorry. And I know that everybody's situation is unique. If you have specific questions about your, your student loans and how you want to handle this process, um, please reach out directly to me, brian at brianhanks.com. You can send me an email. I'll answer directly. In most cases, it's within 24 hours. That's brian with an I, hanks like Tom Hanks, brian at brianhanks.com. If you wouldn't mind, please tell your friends about the podcast. I would love to spread the word and uh, take a minute to leave a review on somewhere like iTunes. It really helps others find the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Practice Purchased Podcast. For more information about Brian's best-selling book, How to Buy a Dental Practice, or about the Practice Purchase Blueprint course, visit brianhanks.com.